Brooks, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Epiphany Station. I was at the grocery store last night, and I don't know if it was me and the other guy that were trying to convince each other, but we both agreed that it's getting warmer out. Now, I heard this morning that we set another, I don't know, wind chill record or something for the nation, so I, I don't know what the deal is, but, um, but here we are. Isn't it great, Minnesota? Uh, where else can you live on the planet where it's 25 below and you say, uh, it's not bad? It's really not bad. So I'm not sure if we're just in denial over these months or, or if we're just really, really hardy. But we're going to talk this morning about a subject that uh, we'd prefer not to, uh, just because it has uh, with it so much pain. That's the theme of suffering. But even deeper than that, perhaps, is the question of why is God silent at times in our lives, and especially when it comes in the time of suffering? As our resource, we're going to talk about the man Job and the book of Job in, in the, uh, the Bible, the Old Testament, just before Psalms. Many of you are familiar with, uh, with Job's story. And in fact, if we were to come up with a standard by which to live our lives by, somebody in all of Scripture that was a godly man that did things right, that wanted to obey God, it would be Job. And yet, for whatever reason, God chooses to allow not just a little bit of suffering, but tremendous suffering on this godly man. Now, we've probably, you've probably heard that uh, at various times and in various ways, uh, pretty much to all of us or at any given time, uh, someone is always about to go into a crisis, or someone's always in the middle of the crisis, or just at the tail end of a crisis. And a crisis is definitely what Job was experiencing. Things were out of control. There was no order. Chaos in his life. Lord, what is going on? There's an amazing scene from the get-go in the book of Job, chapter 1, where God has a conversation with Satan. It sounds crazy. I can't explain that. But in the cosmic world, this is taking place, and, and Satan's just kind of milling about to and fro, and, and God asks him the question, what are you up to? And uh, apparently Satan's all ready to dig into somebody's life to destroy it, because that's what he is. He's the deceiver. And for whatever reason, uh, God chooses, allows, again, his servant Job to experience tremendous, well, let's read about it. As uh, the Lord is having this conversation, he asks Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil, and he has maintained his integrity, even though you urge me to harm him without cause. I believe that one of the biggest reasons why the book of Job was written was for our benefit. And when I say our benefit, for all people's benefit as they look at their own lives as contrasted against the book of Job. Let's, let's keep reading here. Job was a very rich man, so it was, it was a big deal for him to, uh, well, he had a lot to lose. The Lord continu uh, uh, continues here in Job chapter 1, 
uh, we learn that he had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all hell breaks loose in Job's life. Pretty much all his possessions, his family, except his wife, was gone. In chapter 1 of Job, if you were to go home and and, uh, read it today or look at it now, it gives us a description of what takes place in that chapter. I'm just going to summarize for you essentially how the devil uses enemy forces, fire, and wind to completely upend Job's life. And what's more, Job is inflicted with boils and sores. So here he is, his children are killed, his servants also, animals are stolen or killed, and here lies Job, probably thinking to himself, and this is the thanks that I get from you, Lord? Scripture doesn't put it that way, but we can conjecture what's going through his mind. Certainly Job has a lot of questions for God. Now some people, and maybe you've been uh, in this uh, situation before where you are led to think that asking God questions is wrong in and of itself. It's not. We're encouraged to ask questions. Otherwise, there wouldn't be so many questions asked in Scripture, not only in Job's life, but in so many others. It's a very healthy thing to ask questions. And especially in Job's situation where, again, this is a man that was seeking after God's heart. Why would God allow this to take place? What is going on here? In fact, Job believed that the Lord was against him. Had to have been asking, why are you against me, Lord? Let's look at some of the questions that he has. And our first point, then, that I want to emphasize is, it's okay to ask questions. Not only okay, it's healthy. Job asked this question. Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Talk about being at a low point in your life. Goes on to say this. For the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows. Their poison infects my spirit. God's terrors are lined up against me. This is the place where Job is at. Experientially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. It becomes very difficult in life to separate what we feel to be true with what we know to be true, especially when we're in the throes of such suffering. We can easily adopt the wrong thoughts based on those circumstances, and it can feel as if we're in a fog. I recall a conversation with my dad at different times, and it was on the heels of, of my mom's death 15 years ago. People would ask him how he was doing, and he would simply say, I feel like I'm in a fog. Certainly at the very, very tip, Job must have felt like he was in a fog. And what's even more personal, as he expressed in the, uh, the, the way that he felt the Almighty had struck him down with his arrows, he felt like, God was attacking him, the same God that he worships. 
Certainly he must have felt betrayed. This is heavy stuff. This is seemingly uh, nowhere for Job to turn. Just as Job asked questions, so too we need to ask questions. And often. Maybe the question is, Lord, why, why did you allow that death, that untimely death to happen so quickly? Or, or why did my loved one have to struggle so long? Well, these aren't unique to the human experience. These are very common. But when it happens to you, when it happens to me, they become unique. Or why are my relationships so difficult? And actually, right behind those questions, much of the substance to these questions really boils down to this question, Lord, why do I feel so all alone? Or, Lord, why are you silent? That's where Job was. But Job had friends. And for about a week, Job's friends really did help. They didn't say a word. Then they began to speak. These are some of the conclusions that they arrived to. Now remember, this is a man who God called blameless. Not perfect, but blameless. Lived right. Wanted to do what God told him to do. And this is what his friends told him. Get rid of your sins and leave all iniquity behind you. We've probably heard that before, that you're doing something wrong. You've done something and you're wrong that God's punishing you for. Or how about this? Were you the first person ever born? Were you born before the hills were made? In other words, Job, who made you king? Why do you think that you have to have all the answers? Why do you think that God owes that to you? So much for his friends. Would have been enough for Job to feel God's sting, but then in a very tangible way, he feels the anguish of the words of his friends. I believe that God has designed friendship to bring comfort and in some cases just simply to listen. Imagine, if, if you will, uh, trying to bring comfort to somebody who has just lost a child. And let's say that they have three other children that are living. It's not likely that you're going to bring a lot of comfort by simply saying, as your next line is, well, it's good you still have three kids. See, there, there's times where our words just come up so far short. And really the best thing is just to simply be there. A hand on a shoulder. A hug. Well, Job would probably agree. He concludes with this great disappointment in regard to his friends it's there somewhere. I have heard all this before. What miserable comforters you are. It's just being honest. And I thought I could trust you. I thought I could depend on you, my friends. Not to be the case. This is the tension that Job is experiencing. Third point in all of this it just simply doesn't make sense. We talk about fairness in life. 
and we say that's not fair, the truth of the matter is much in our lives are not fair. And as little kids, we begin with that line, it's not fair. And as we grow older, we might say it, might not say it, but we're thinking it, that's not fair. But we've developed this idea that we tend to think of fair as something owed us for good behavior. And even at that, Job asks his wife, upon all of this suffering, as they're looking at their lives now versus what it was, he says, should we accept only good from God? So even at that, Job was steadfast. Even though he was filled with questions, he was filled with wondering and confusion. And, and Job rattles off some if questions to God. If we look at chapter 31, you can find them there. I'll try to summarize it here. Pick out a few, but for example, Job says this, If my heart has been seduced by a woman, or if I've been unfair to my male or female servants, or if I put my trust in money, Lord, if I've done those things, then at least we can get somewhere and I can understand what's going on here, but beyond that, I don't get it. We can ask the same types of questions. Maybe, maybe we're on top of things financially and we're doing all the right things and yet we just can't seem to come out from under and we don't understand why we have these money problems. Or maybe I pay a lot of attention to my physical health and, and yet I suffer a heart attack. Lord, what's going on here? If we're to collect all the books written about Job, what we would find out is most people would say the main theme is suffering, and understandably so. But I think it's deeper than that. I think it really boils down to a, an issue of trust. Fourth point. It's all about trust. The challenge here is for us to take our questions, which is, is, it's good, we affirm that. It's a good thing to ask God questions. It's a good thing to question each other with questions. But we need to take the why in our questions and change it to who. So as we ask the question, we go beyond the why. And we need to be reminded who it is that's in charge. Who is it that we can trust? If I can trust Jesus to go to the cross and to forgive my sin and to experience freedom from that sin, if I can trust Jesus for that, can I trust him for all the unknowns for this particular issue going on in my life today? I like to think of this little analogy. If, if, if we're at a parade, let's just say the Rose Bowl, that's a nice, warm place, no? And, and you see the beginning of the parade, but you can't see the end because you're way up front. You can just see a little bit what your physical eyes are able to take in. But God, he's able to see the beginning to the end. And so we think of our own lives in that same sense. Our lives are like that parade. We can't see way down at the end. In fact, we're in the middle of this crisis, that's the worst place to be. It's not so bad if, well, it is bad, but I mean, we get to the end and then we can draw some conclusions and realize, okay, this is how God was working in my life. I can see it now. 
I have the benefit because I've been through it. Sometimes we say that to people. Oh, I've been there, right? But we're in the middle of a crisis. That's a particularly difficult place to be, especially because I'm not hearing God's voice. Why are you silent? Job expresses these kind of thoughts to God, and yet, underneath all that, and holding him up, is his unshakable faith in God. Let's, let's read and see in chapter 23. It says this, as Job is talking to the Lord, he says, I go east, but he is not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. For I have stayed on God's paths. I have followed his ways and not turned aside. I believe we learn the most about God and about ourselves when nothing makes sense. It's wonderful to have those times in our lives where things run smoothly. We appreciate that. We sense God's favor. But we don't talk much about sensing God's favor in the dark, in the times where he's silent. And yet these are golden moments. If we're able to see like Job saw, yet he knows where I am. And we can affirm in our own hearts, in our own minds, that he knows, he has me, right where I need to be right now as I am hearing nothing? No, as I am listening to his voice in a myriad of different ways that he could reveal it. For whatever reason, right now, he has me in a place where he seems to be silent. Simply put, Job is about as low as one can get. But in the middle of the darkness around him, he is able to stand back and see a much bigger picture. And this is what he shares about his Lord. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. The middle of the crisis? Yeah. That's the most difficult and yet that is the very point at which we need to focus on who we know rather than the why of how and why we're in there and in that place in the first place. Eventually Job answers God, or God answers Job. Toward the end, God's been listening And he says this. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. 
Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Like Job, we can have the same assurance that God in his silence Here's our prayers. Here's our cries. Here's our complaints. And the fact that you're having a conversation in the first place is very healthy because you sense and you know that he, in fact, is there listening with you. And so, even when we recognize that thousands of years ago, people experienced God's silence It simply meant that it was an opportunity for them to more deeply recognize God's character and his very words that he would never leave us. He will never forsake us, even when it feels different than that. Here at Epiphany, we do every Sunday, we call Next Step. I'd like to focus for the next step on your who rather than on the why. Again, the questions are good. They're a healthy thing. But that's not where we stop. So if you're tempted, and this week you you realize as you're, you're asking Lord why, just to simply physically even say it, stop at that point and ask yourself, Am I focusing on the why right now? Do I believe that God is big enough to handle this issue in my life? In the book of John, Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples. And he says this, In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. We have opportunities here at Epiphany to get engaged in different ways, uh, different tools that we offer. So, for example, on Monday nights, we have uh, discipleship classes that are designed to help us grow in our faith and our relationship with Jesus and grow in our relationship with others. And those begin a week from tomorrow, and I believe it's 6 o'clock. And then on Tuesday nights, from 6 until 8, we have CR, Celebrate Recovery. And that's a great opportunity to, to be able to hear other people as it gives us more insight into our own lives and for us to share as well. I encourage you to move in that direction. At this time, we're going to have communion. Communion is important because God tells us to remember. Just as we consider why Jesus came in the first place, he came to die. Up close and personal, God in human flesh 
understanding our questions, understanding our confusion because he himself, a human being, perfect sacrifice on our behalf so that we could, in time, began to see a bigger picture like he sees in the hurt in our own lives. And so how this is going to work is, is you just come on down as the, uh, the, the worship team uh, leads us in a song. We'll come down in the center. And on either side, we have some, uh, some bread and gluten-free option as well and some grape juice. And then you'll return to your seat on the side aisles. But if you're not sure about this conversation or, or even taking communion, that's okay. There, there's no judgment here. There, there's uh, nobody watching anybody else. This is just a moment that you can sit down with God and, and have a conversation. And then at your leisure, uh, as you feel led to take that, Recall the words of Jesus. Yes, in this world, yeah, you're going to have trouble. But that's not the end. Be of good cheer. I'm with you. I've overcome. Let's pray. Lord, as we remember what you did on our behalf, may our hearts take solace May we be encouraged. If we have been experiencing your silence over these past days, months, or, or maybe even years in some cases, Lord, would you send relief in so many ways that you reveal yourself to us. Lord, may we be looking at the who in our lives rather than simply asking questions. And thank you that you are so patient with us. Thank you for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.